What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How we doing today? It's a Locked On Vikings production on the Locked On Podcast Network. One of the fastest growing networks in the nation millions of listens per month insider journalists in the locker room getting you the information about the teams you love every day of the week i'm sam ekstrom the host of the locked on vikings branch of this operation find me on twitter at sam ekstrom for nuggets and data and links and up to the second vikings news Co-host is ordinarily say Drosenfels. He's off today. He'll be back on Wednesday. We'll have Locked On Cowboys host Drew Davison on the show on Thursday to preview the game at U.S. Bank Stadium Thursday evening, 725. Obviously a hot ticket if you're going in person, or if not, chill at home and listen to the dulcet tones of Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. The Cowboys are a good team. That much is established. And the source of their success seems to be the offensive line. The offensive line enables the rookie quarterback to have time to throw 18 TDs against just two interceptions. The offensive line opens enough holes for the running game featuring Ezekiel Elliott to have rushed for 1,730 yards, one yard off the NFL lead. And by the way, that running game that I just mentioned, nearly 1,000 yards more productive than the Minnesota Vikings running game. Granted, they've rushed it 88 more times than has Minnesota, but that's not making up the difference. 1730 against 782. Arguably the best rushing attack in the league, maybe only behind Buffalo and the worst rushing attack in the league. And there really is no equal for the Minnesota Vikings. Mediocrity. The offensive line makes the offense go, and the offense's success puts the defense in favorable situations. The defense is fairly anonymous, but the offense puts them in so many good situations where it's hard not to look good. Not all that different from the 1998 Vikings where the scores were so high, the defense was allowed to gamble. And you've got Robert Griffith, Orlando Thomas, Jimmy Hitchcock jumping routes. Dallas is able to do some of those things because of the offense, indirectly because of the offensive line. So you get to thinking, clearly Dallas has gone about this the right way in building up the trenches and strengthening that line. Let's compare how much effort Dallas has put into this process compared to your Minnesota Vikings. 
Let's take a look at Dallas. Tyron Smith, offensive tackle, left tackle, arguably the best in the NFL. Tyron Smith was drafted in the first round, pick number nine in 2011. Now, Lael Collins is ordinarily the left guard. He's hurt, but let's count him anyway. Lael Collins was a projected first-round pick, may have been the first guard off the board, and because of his own personal connection to a crime committed, he was interviewed for this crime right before the draft, and teams did not want to take a gamble on him for fear he'd be convicted. He was not convicted. The Cowboys signed him as an undrafted free agent. That is a first-round caliber talent who is not playing on Thursday. The center is Travis Frederick. Travis Frederick, a former Badger, was drafted in the first round. Pick 31 of the 2013 draft. So now we've got one first-round pick, two first-round picks, You count Collins, basically three first-round picks. We're not done. Zach Martin. Zach Martin, a 2014 first-round pick. The 16th selection in the 2014 draft out of Notre Dame. Great pedigree, highly touted. That's their right guard. The oddball in the mix is Doug Free. He's the veteran that's gluing things together at right tackle. Doug Free is really a holdover from a previous era. He was a fourth-round pick in 2007, and obviously he's had enough in the tank to play for a decade. So he's on the downhill of his career, but a very talented tackle in Doug Free. So Dallas has said, you know what? We're not going to be sexy. We don't care about the optics of it. We don't care that our fans probably have no clue who we're drafting. We're going to go first round and snatch guys to strengthen our line. Now, obviously, you have to draft well. Linemen are not guarantees, as the Vikings have shown. But Dallas has done a fantastic job of evaluating and grooming that talent. And now look where they are. All right, how about the Vikings? We'll get this out there right now. They went and got Matt Khalil in 2012. They tried. They took Matt Khalil fourth in 2012. He was the best option. He was great for a year. And then nagging injuries and generally poor technique derailed him in years two, three, four, and injuries now in year five. Matt Khalil may or may not be a Viking next year. Beyond that, you've got a center who you picked up in 2011 as a free agent who was 34 years old, a sixth-round pick, Joe Berger, 207th in 2005. He's a journeyman. Brandon Fusco is your right guard. Fusco was taken in the sixth round, the 172nd pick of the 2011 draft. One of the only late-round draft picks the Vikings have hit on for the offensive line. They have been abysmal at hitting on third-day offensive line picks. T.J. Clemmings is your swing tackle, playing right, playing left, playing right, playing left, literally swinging. He's a fourth-round pick, taken in 2015. 
to acquire Jeremiah Searles. The Vikings surrendered a six-round pick. That was a desperation trade made at the beginning of the 2015 season in early September. Searles, an undrafted player. Mike Harris, last year's right guard, he was undrafted out of UCLA. John Sullivan, who the Vikings released, he was a six-round pick, 2008. And he was very good. Don't want to take that away. Nick Easton, likely the center on Thursday. He was acquired in the Gerald Hodges trade before the deadline in 2015. He was undrafted out of Harvard. Willie Beavers, who was thrust into spot duty in last Thursday's game. Willie Beavers, a fourth-round pick out of Western Michigan, and considered one of the lowest-ranked offensive linemen in the 2016 draft. The Vikings spent big in the offseason to pick up Alex Boone. That was a splashy move, and Boone has, relatively speaking, been valuable. He's been mostly healthy, only missed about a half a game in that Week 3 matchup against Carolina. And this year, durability is the most desirable trait on the Vikings offensive line. Boone has been as healthy as anybody. So at least that's working out decently well. But aside from a big free agent signing and a 2012 first-round pick who did not live up to the billing, the Vikings have put very little effort into bolstering this offensive line. Obviously, there are a couple reasons why that is. You can't strengthen every position group. When Mike Zimmer came into Minnesota... There was a clear vision to build up a ferocious defense, and he's done a very good job of that by spending tons of early picks on defense at the expense of the offensive line. Think back, though, to how Zimmer saw things when he arrived in 2014. He rolls in. He sees Charlie Johnson. He sees a line of Khalil, Charlie Johnson, John Sullivan, Brandon Fusco, and Phil Lodholt. He sees veterans across that line, and he sees years into the future with three, four, five of those guys sticking around, opening up holes for Adrian Peterson. Didn't work out so well. His first year, Brandon Fusco gets hurt, misses most of the season. His second year, Phil Lodholt gets hurt, misses the entire season. John Sullivan gets hurt, misses the entire season. Charlie Johnson got cut. Matt Khalil this year missing the entire season. So those veterans that were present when Mike Zimmer entered the picture have broken down and or become ineffective, which has expedited the the need for Minnesota to build up that line. And unfortunately, they were a couple of years behind the curve. Had Minnesota known what the future held, you can bet They're not spending second and third round picks routinely on defensive players. The Vikings now about to be faced with a team who went in the opposite direction. They built their team around offense. They drafted all these linemen. They took a rookie running back in the first round this year. They took a rookie quarterback in the fourth round. And they're 10-1 and on their way to a bye and a one seed. Great defense versus great offense on Thursday. The onus certainly on the Vikings' defense. The Dallas Cowboys have scored the third most points in the league, only behind Atlanta and New Orleans. They have 28.7 points per game. 
Dak Prescott takes care of the ball and can make plays with his legs. Ezekiel Elliott will make teams pay. And if you worry too much about Elliott, then you risk being exposed by Beasley and Bryant. But as I asked George Edwards yesterday, the defensive coordinator, he said the intent is still on stopping the run. I mean, anytime you you know you got a team that runs the ball as efficiently as they do, I mean that's the number one thing we've got to go out and we got to stop the run. And then you know to help on a receiver like Des Bryant and and even with Beasley in there, I mean those are tough matches. So we we've got to do a good job with the balance and we've got to stop the run and be able to play good and situational defense. Clearly, stopping Elliott is an emphasis. Brian Robison echoed that in the locker room. Well, we have to stop the run first off. Um, if we don't stop the run, we're never going to have that opportunity. So uh, we've really got to be disciplined in our technique and our fundamentals and the way we play ball. And if, we, if we're able to do that, stop the run and get them in passing situations, uh, then once again, we have to be smart in the way that we rush him. You know, we can't create lanes for him to run and get, get up to the second level and make first downs. Um, so, you know, we, we've definitely got our work cut out for us on defense this week. Not only do the Vikings have a huge task in front of them, they may have injury issues yet again. On yesterday's injury report, there were 12 Minnesota Vikings that were either limited or did not practice in the Vikings' second of three practices this week. Now, those who were limited are still very likely to play, I would say. Based on the way the Vikings operate, if they are limited, they're probably going to play. And one of those DNPs was Chad Greenway, whose wife was giving birth to their fourth daughter. Congratulations, Chad. But the Vikings did not have Captain Munerlin. They did not have Harrison Smith. They did not have Marcus Sherrills. And as we've grown accustomed to, they did not have Sharif Floyd. The Vikings should be pleased to get back Terrence Newman, who was limited but practiced with a neck injury. Terrence Newman's been one of the better corners, not only on the team, but in the NFL this year. And there are already whispers in the public of, would he come back next year? I think most people thought he was about to be supplanted by Trey Waynes and play in a limited role in his age 38 season. Not the case. Terrence Newman is quickly approaching Brett Favre territory of playing in purple at 40. Can he get there? Point being, the Vikings need to have their defense intact fully if they want to slow down this Dallas team. Since the Cowboys' week one loss against the New York Giants when they only scored 19 points, their minimum output was 24 points. And I think the Vikings need to hold them below that if they want a chance to win. They may have to hold them to a season low. Either that or they need to intercept Dak Prescott multiple times. The Vikings can't count on giving up 24 like they did against Arizona and then scoring 200-yard-plus touchdowns. Not going to happen. Probably not against the very careful and conservative Dak. The Vikings enter play on Thursday half a game back in the wild card, and they are tied with Tampa Bay at 6-5. and five. Tampa Bay currently has that tiebreaker as well. Vikings got a boost last night from the Green Bay Packers, who knocked off the Philadelphia Eagles and kept Minnesota clear of Philly. In all honesty, the Vikings should feel 100% in the mix. There is a very decent chance that 
Washington goes to Arizona and loses. I know Arizona's struggling, but that's a tough game. Washington could lose. Detroit heads to New Orleans, where the Saints just scored 49 points on Greg Williams' defense. The Lions could lose. It's not out of the realm of possibility that, with a win, the Vikings move into wildcard position and maybe tie the Lions in the north. Sometimes it's fun to be the underdog. The Vikings are the underdog in this game. Dallas favored by three and a half, last I saw. That's a great opportunity. Minnesota has been really competitive at home this year, and if they don't collapse against Detroit, they're still undefeated at home. I still maintain that this is a winnable game for the Vikings. But that defense is going to have to be intact, and they're going to have to prevent Ezekiel Elliott from running rough shot. More analysis tomorrow with Sage Rosenfels, and Thursday with Drew Davison will get a Dallas perspective. For now, this is Sam Ekstrom. Leave a five-star rating on iTunes if you please. Follow on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom or the corporate account at Locked On Network. Thanks for tuning in wherever you may be, and we'll talk to you again in the morning. So long. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.